Right, here we go then. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Welcome to the Essential Apple Podcast, a show where we cover the last 7 to 10 days in the world of Apple news, reviews, rumours, roundup, gossip, tech, and, well, basically, anything else that catches our eye. This is the Essential Apple Podcast. Yes, we're back for another episode, this week being the week of Thanksgiving Black Friday, where news, well, it's a little thin on the ground, really, unless you count the endless endless Black Friday greatest deal ever and Black Friday just seems to be going on and on and on and then we have Cyber Monday but anyway we are joined by Andreas and I hope I get this right Galunus or Galunus I told you I'd get it wrong on the intro that's all right more or less correct from one of my favorite applications of all time in fact I'm looking in my dock now it's open it's pretty never ever closed He's from the Mighty Pixelmator team. Andreas, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. So you're over in Lithuania? That's correct. And what time is it? You're two hours ahead, and just because we're, Brit- um, just yeah. because we're British, we need to ask this. What's the weather like over there? Um, it's pretty chilly. Luckily, it wasn't raining today because uh, it's, it's been a bit it's been a bit overcast recently. But uh, the weather is 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 fine. I'm used to it. It's, it's chilly. It's about two to five degrees Celsius, but uh, that's that's really part of the course here at this time of year. Yeah, we're 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 hitting a cold snap. Although we're supposed to have the worst winter on record, followed by the hottest winter on record. Ugh, you know how it goes. Now, before we started the show. We were talking that, um, you know, I'm a paid up member of the Pixelmator team because uh, I bought the app and it was one of my first ever what I would call big purchases. And it surprised me when you said just how long Pixelmator's been around. When did the company actually start? Uh, well, I've been working at Pixelmator myself for two years, but if I'm not wrong, 2007 is, is, is more or less when uh, they started working on the on the Pixelmator app, and but Solus, you know, one of the founders together with his brother Idas, they had been working on other Mac um, technology, well, other Mac apps in another company that they founded. That's uh, still going. It's called JumpSoft. I think they make this app called Money, if I'm not wrong. I, yeah. So, but Pixelmator itself has been uh, has been going strong since about 2007. Um, and I, as, as I mentioned, I've been working there since 2015. Am I wrong? Yeah. I mean, developing an app like Pixelmator, that's got to be a pretty, pretty big thing to do because there's the obvious big competitor out there that we're not going to name. But if anyone works with photos, I think that they'll, uh, they'll know what I mean. What was the driving force behind creating something like Pixelmator? What was the original idea behind it? Uh, well, I think I think Solus again would be able to tell you better. But as far as you know, the conversation we've had, a lot of it came down to there not being a Mac native GPU powered image editor. Um, you know, Apple was was working on Core Image, and there's a lot of stuff that you know in the in in in, in OS 10 as it was called then as in Mac OS that you could take advantage of leverage in order to create you know this very you know Mac 
image editor. And Solus was always a, a fan of, of editing images. I think ever since he got his first Mac, I think he's mentioned somewhere that he, he was most interested maybe um, or very interested in, in the image editing aspect just of, of having a computer in general. Um, and then, and then, yeah, in 2007, the, there, there weren't really that many options for, for image editing apps at the time. So they decided to have a go at it, basically. And so just as an idea, I mean, how big is the Pixelmator team now? Because you'd think after all this period of time, you'd have quite a massive team. Are you able to tell us you know, how many people on board? Do you all work in the same building or some of the tools that you use yeah, to well, communicate I mean, with everyone? We're quite a small team. We're about about twenty of us now, maybe a bit less. Um, and yeah, that's it's really not 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 that many of us. Um, it's about a half and half split between programmers and marketing, basically. And all that and. So I was just chuckling to myself before we started the show. Like I said, I've had Pixelmator for many many years, uh, and. The, the the performance you get from it is absolutely blistering. Every single release. And I'm running it on a 2012 Mac server. I'm running it on a 2011 uh, iMac. It's just bonkersly fast. Bonkersly fast. Is that one of the main priorities when you're looking at doing what updates to sort of just keep the speed up there? Or is it a balance of features versus speed? Um, it's always the aim is always quality and quality in terms of the performance, of course, and the actual um, quality of the tools themselves. So, I, I mean, you can take different tools and and then talk about them individually. Yeah. For example, let's say the repair tool. Um, you know, we we always wanted to to make it really magical. <laughs> I mean, just we can paint over certain objects and they just disappear, and it looks you know seamless and perfect but obviously if it doesn't work you know if it's slow then that's 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 less than less than perfect really not 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 the uh the, the aim is speed and quality a combination of the two basically oh uh, i earlier on this year and i know that i'm going to say i keep saying like a pixel meter fanboy but it's because i'm not a graphic designer i'm not an artist i'm not really that talented at all but for me as someone who doesn't have a designer's eye i've been able to pick up pixelmator and do things like you've said like literally um what is it what was the last project i did i took a picture of a, a greeting card to get the effect of the paper but the problem was there was a massive great big image in the middle and just how well pixelmator with its magic removal tool managed to get rid of that picture and leave me with this really Really nice paper texture background was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I mean that's 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 uh, that's what we aim for, and 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 the repair tool's been I think in the absence about 2012 or 13. But we've 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 always you know in every update where where we do something with the repair tool, we try to improve it, make it faster. So even in in the last update, um, before they, they used to be three options uh, like basic, advanced, basic. Uh, like medium and advanced and like that. And we managed to speed up the, the repair tool algorithm and just it now always works on advanced. I mean, some actually some people haven't weren't entirely happy with the changes because uh uh well there are certain cases where maybe it doesn't work so well. But uh, we're always basically working on on trying to to improve improve the tools we have and even the repair tool which which is already pretty amazing. We're still we're we're trying to find new uh and improved uses for it basically or yeah improvements for it so 
We sort of like jumped right into sort of talking about pixel meter yeah. for anyone who doesn't actually know what it is. So if you had to, if so someone comes up to you and says, what is pixel meter? What, how would you sum it up to like the layperson, and what do you think the USP of pixel meter is? Yeah, I think uh, with a question like that, I'd probably refer to the earlier sort of tagline of pixel meter, which was image editing for the rest of us. Um, and I think that sums it up pretty well. I think, but what what I would maybe add is professional image editing for the rest of us, where you have these you know professional tools, especially with Pixelmator Pro, um, but they're so accessible and so I mean we we really do think about how how we can make certain tools which are quite you know advanced and obviously very powerful. How what would be the easiest way for a for a regular person to to understand how it works, you know? And that's why we say in Pixelmator Pro, we we got rid of tool names like Dodge and Burn, which are you know photography techniques or that were that were used back with the analog photograph, well analog photography. Uh, but in in the modern in the modern context, it's quite confusing for users to open up an app and find things like you know the Dodge tool. What the hell does that do? And so we you know we changed them to like light and darken, saturate, desaturate the sponge tool. And so, yeah, that I, so to sum it up, powerful tools, but in a very accessible uh, design. And we have got, well, we will come on to Pixelmator Pro, which I'm absolutely dying to get my hands on. Um, a couple of questions here from our good people in the Slack chat room. Uh, is when you're looking at Pixelmator and Pixelmator Pro, how closely do you examine the competition before you decide on what to include versus just figuring it out on your own? Um, well, to be honest, we don't really look too much at, at the competition and what they're doing because our goal is to create the best possible image editor on a Mac for you know for for, for regular people to use. So our, our uh, thinking is, you know, what tools do people need rather than you know, what tools do other apps not have? Uh, what can we what can we do differently than these guys? No, we just we, we we our sole aim is to create you know the best possible app, and you know if if that means including a tool that already exists that we haven't added up till now, then obviously we'll do that. And if it means not adding tools that other people don't have, that maybe this kind of app wouldn't need, then we wouldn't add that either. So it's, it's more it's more just we figure it out on, on our own, to be honest. And what with, what with the, uh, again, the competition whose name we shall not mention just yet? Feel free to mention. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, one of the biggest bones of contention that, especially in work, and we've talked about this in our Slack chat room, is the fact that people just want to own the software. Have you ever considered going down the subscription route like Adobe, or are you just going to be doing what you've done, carry on with releasing the software, releasing new software, and providing patches and updates for it? Um, well, I don't know. We've, we've, I wouldn't say that we've considered it, or we haven't considered it. I couldn't really comment too much on that because I'm not. I don't take part too much in that decision in making it. Or, but you know, we've always wondered about generally what the what the long-term prospects are of of apps and you know lots of apps are going subscription now and lots of developers are are going down that route and i think i mean i'm, I'm a user I, I buy apps and and i i also feel a bit um 
apprehensive about subscriptions. And I think certain apps, it doesn't really suit the subscription model and others it does. And, I'm, and I honestly wouldn't even be able to say whether Pixelmate is one of those apps. I don't really know. I mean, right now we're, we're, we're you know, buy it to own it. But, uh, well, I mean, I think if you, if you subscribe, you also own it. I think that's a kind of a, I think the point is it, at the end of the day, it comes down to the sort of the, fin- to me at least, to the financial, the total financial sort of um, cost. So, you know, if you're paying a certain price monthly, what does that come out to, you know, over the year or over two years? And so I think sometimes with certain subscriptions, you don't even think twice about it. You, you know, I, I personally have Netflix, I have Spotify, um, and I'm, you know, more than happy to pay for those. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure about about Pixelmator. I, I I think I think I think there's a certain things that maybe would be better with the subscription model. Other things maybe wouldn't like like say if you're on if, you, if you're on the Mac App Store um, and you wanna you wanna sell an iOS app for the same uh, you know with the same for the same uh, well you buy one and you get the iOS version as well right so you can't do that without a subscription so there's certain certain bonuses but for now we haven't really well we're staying. Uh, with the with the single price yeah i was gonna say well we've, we've talked about this before haven't we and i'm very much of the opinion that there's a big difference between um apps that have gone subscription particularly adobe or microsoft but where a lot of people who are using those mm. are using them prof- sorry my <laughs> and using them yeah using them professionally and generating money they're using them as a business or as part of their business and therefore paying a monthly subscription is it is uh what should i say it's part of a return on investment sure whereas when when you're buying when you're talking about home users where people are buying it and using it for pleasure. There's a different, uh, there's a different kind of financial loading, isn't there? And it, it's one thing to go out and spend £20, £30, whatever it is, to buy a piece of software. And there's another to commit yourself to even a small amount of money sure yeah like a monthly yeah i know i understand that completely you know, one, one thing i would say that i i'd like to see possibly in the future is like uh like a spotify or netflix version of, of the mac app store so like where you subscribe to the app store and you just get all the apps <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be pretty good right oh there, there is one already isn't there um yeah oh, no, yeah, yeah yeah that app yes yeah um, but i yeah, think Go on, sorry. No, I was going to say about a few of those apps uh, in there. I know, like pretty much sort of end of life, sort of aren't getting any updates, which is interesting because they're getting a revenue stream, and yet those apps are sort of dead in the water. Water Bloggo being um, one of them, unfortunately, which is a and which was a nice little WordPress based. Uh, sorry, it was a blogging engine for WordPress where you could do all your posts on your Mac, and you didn't need to use the web interface. But that appears to have died a death. Oh dear. Yeah. yeah no, well, anyway, yes. Yeah, I think so this is something right. that um, probably Apple would have to do anyway, just has to, because it has to be quite, you know, pretty much massive. It can't be just like four or five or ten, maybe, or well, even a hundred apps. It would have to be a wide range. But I think it would be interesting to see. I think it might be something for the future. 
let's go and have a look here. We got some other questions from our, our people in the in, in our in our lovely Slack chat room. Thank you all for submitting them. It's been a great help for the show. Um, so. Okay, we'll go with this one. So in relation to Photoshop, Lightroom, Affinity, Luminar, Photoline, how do you see yourselves when stacked up against them? Because they're all sort of similar but different. Oh, that's a horrible saying, isn't it? Similar but different. No, but I I see what you mean. Um, Again, we've always wanted to make a completely Mac native image editor that has, you know, tons of professional features, but those those tools and those features have to be very easy to use. So I'm not sure, you know, you know, Photoshop was obviously the, the, I'd say the main professionals, you know, image editing app, I think it has a, a ton of features. Uh, so, I mean, some of them, I wouldn't even imagine how they, how they work because it's just, it's, it's, it's packed full. Right. Um, Lightroom was obviously the, a, a, a bit of a different, uh, Bit of a different app because it's got the cataloging features and it's aimed at well photographers editing single images not multi-layered files um affinity they're the kind of photoshop alternative so they, they have a very an interface very familiar to photoshop users and lots of the features that that many of those users would 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 uh need from photoshop but whereas you know we we're we're, we're, we're i think we're a bit different we're we're well, I know we're a bit different. We're we're very Mac native. We've got lots of um, and we've got like a really strong focus on user friendliness and just uh, being being an image editor that that absolutely anyone could use, which I'm not sure you could say about the other apps. Oh, I, I it was funny because just the other day uh, I was in work and I was on my Windows PC, um, and I needed an image editor, and I thought, ah, oh, Pixelmator. Oh, of course, <laughs> Mac only. So I ended up getting GIMP. And if there was oh, ever, yeah, if there was ever an app where it just is designed to make something so simple, so complicated, GIMP, GIMP was it. It's it's the torchbearer of making stuff hard to do. Um, just speaking for you know what you were saying about it being different. I mean, even the level of support you guys offer is different. I remember, I'll have a look in a second when uh, for an email that I sent to Pixelmator because. As I've said, I've got a nice little side venture going on and I'm having to do things in uh, DPI on the iPad because mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, Pixelmeter is on the iPad as well. But on the iPad, you don't have a DPI setting. Right. So it's like, yeah. ah, okay, what do I do? Uh, didn't know what to do. And I sent an email off to your team and I got literally an A4 response, really nicely worded to say. I think that was from me. If you check, if you check the uh, the signature, it might say "Cheers, Andreas." I'm so, going to have a look now. Pixelmator. This will be Pixelmator support. Right. This is going to make for a good bit of editing. <laughs> yeah. uh, but but it was just a level of response was like, oh, I actually understand all well, of this. I'm I'm pretty I'm 100 sure that was me because I've written a few of those emails and uh, you know yes you it one? is. Thanks for getting in touch. <laughs> Saying a DPI value for an image isn't currently possible in iOS. However, there isn't any need to set a DPI for images if you plan to print them. This has absolutely no effect on the actual size and quality of the image. Yeah, <laughs> basically, yeah, if no, you tell yeah. a name, yeah, and and that, and that was it. It was like. Holy moly! February sixteenth, twenty seventeen is when we uh is when when I sent that email to you, and it was like, 
Oh, and I think Simon and me were having a conversation about this because Simon works in the print industry, and I sort of went, nah, not that I didn't believe you, but I thought I'll ask mm-hmm. a, a, someone who works in printing, and it was basically confirmed, like saying, yeah, that, that sounds about right. Uh, and Pixel Meter for iOS is just amazing, especially on the Pro. Uh, I don't have the Pro, I only have an iPad Air, so I'm sort of limited. But yeah, I can get most of my stuff done. In fact, I will talk to you off the air about some features that I want. Like, let me be, let let me crop let, when I crop an image. Let me see the dimensions of the crop size, please. That's all I want from life. I yeah, want no, to be. There's a- definitely, there's definitely, you know, there's definitely lots of uh, room for improvement with 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 all with you know Pixel Major, obviously the um, original version. And I think when we when we when Pro comes out, there'll be things that you know we, we can improve, and, we, and that's that's we, we love doing that. We love improving. Um, our app, so I'll be more than happy to, to hear out your suggestions. Oh, I will believe you, me. It, but it's, we had this conversation with Paul Cafasis from Rogue Amoeba on episode 65, I think it was, or 64. Um, and the amount of times he's heard, uh, what was it, Fission would be perfect if only it had this one feature and everyone's one true feature is, you know, something yeah, different. different. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, definitely. <laughs> so, We've sort of skirted around this a little bit. Oh, sorry, Simon, have you got any questions before we move on to Pixelmeter Pro? Uh, uh, well, Mac Jim did ask, uh, and this is related to Pixelmeter Pro. Uh, well, no, let's leave it. Let's go on to Pixelmeter Pro because his question is about something that might or might not be in Pixelmeter Pro. So let's, we'll, we'll carry on. So Pixelmeter Pro. Tell us about it. And I know that's a really lame question to ask when you're in an interview and it's, it's, it just reeks of being lazy, but there's so much here and I know so little about graphics, but even I'm going, oh, because for what I can see, it's a little bit like Pixelmator, but with a nice lashing of Affinity Designer built into it as well. Um, I'm not sure. Affinity Designer is, is, is a vector application, so... So while while we we obviously have our vector tools, uh, all right. Well, what, what, let's see. What, what should I start with? Well, Pixelmator Pro is uh, is something we've been working on for quite a while now, at least the last uh, three years, fairly intensively, and and it pretty much started about five years ago. Um, and you know, it's obviously got a completely redesigned interface. So you know, the the old palettes of of, of the original Pixelmator are now in a in a single window. And everything's kind of, I think, uh, they've been updated to match the modern uh, Apple macOS aesthetic and interface design. That's one thing. Another huge thing that I think a lot of people haven't uh, really commented on too much, at least on, on social media and in the emails that we've got, is that everything is now more or less non-destructive. So you've got things like, obviously, the color adjustments and effects uh that you apply to every single layer individually and they stay editable once you close the app once you save the file you know um you can go back and fine tune all those all those things and i think that's a very very big difference between the original pixelmator and, and pixelmator pro where most of the tools were were you know you apply the, you apply the effect apply the adjustment um and that's it the image is, is is has been modified and you can't go back and change what you've added, uh, and that extends to things like uh, the the arrange tool. So you know the, the one you use to to move your layers around. So say if you resize the layer, uh, the original 
um, image is always preserved as well. So you can just click a button and it goes back to the original proportions, dimensions without any loss in quality. There's also some cool stuff. We, you, we haven't um, really expanded on this. I say in the vector tools, uh, we've I think we've made working with with vectors even easier than uh, than than it was on you know the original Pixelmator. Oh, so really, there's just lots lots of stuff. It's I mean just having a look through here. I mean you've mentioned in one th- a couple of things. I always always try and find an application. You're using Metal Two, OpenCL, False Touch, yeah. um, but there's one big thing here. You're using machine learning enhanced GPU uh, powered image editing. <laughs> what? How? What does that mean? Yeah. How is that? So you? How is it? How is it learning what I'm doing? What is this machine uh, learning doing? This, this I, think, I think a lot of people don't fully understand machine learning and and uh, what it is exactly. So, so. That that line, machine learning enhanced GPU powered image editing. So even it's, it's image editing that is in, powered by the GPU, so the graphics processor, which isn't the case for other um, image image editing apps, at least not as extensively as uh, as Pixelmator Pro. And it's also enhanced by machine learning. Uh, we have a special page for it. Even if you if you go on the homepage and click Explore. Ah, uh, yeah, I've just been uh, having a look at that. Yeah. So certain tools, and in fact, there are a few others that aren't mentioned here, have been enhanced using machine learning techniques. So obviously automatic layer naming that uses um, a machine learning model, an image vision model, to recognize the contents of an image and assign that image or layer a name when, once you add it to a, you know, your composition. We've got a nice video about it as well, if you, if you, uh, I'm not sure if you've seen that. Uh, that's one thing that uses machine learning, and and uh, another thing is, is uh, the horizon detection thing, which is in the crop tool when you uh, automatically straightens uh, the image based on detecting the horizon again using um, computer vision. And then the tools mentioned here, the repair tool and the quick selection tool, these two uh, have both had their algorithms enhanced using a machine learning model, whereby uh, each tool has like a ton of parameters. I, I don't want to get the number wrong here, but it's it's in the it's in the hundreds uh, for certain for certain um, aspects of the algorithm. And in order to get the the right values for each for each uh, uh, feature of the of the repair tool, the, the sort of inner inner algorithm, it would analyze a source image and a perfectly repaired target image. Um, and with it would cycle through each each of the parameters, like the uh, a different combination of parameters, to see whether that uh, which combination gets the best results compared uh, with the uh, perfectly repaired result. And similarly, with the quick selection tool, again with a perfectly selected area, it would cycle through different uh, combinations of parameters to see which which combination gets the best result, basically. So yeah, so quite a few different things that we've done using machine learning inside inside that. We have, we have plans for more that I won't reveal right now, but uh, I hope you'll, you'll be able to see uh, in the future. Uh, I, I can already feel my credit card warming up. Uh, for When is it being released? It's the 29th it's being released, is it? Which is... It's, it's, it's so soon, I can't believe it, to be honest. Like, I, I honestly, I cannot wait. I'm, I'm so anxious to see what the reaction would be because obviously you know it, well i think it looks pretty good on paper or on a page i should say um and yeah 
I mean, we've we've obviously all been using it, and you know, it seems pretty good to us. I like it. I think I think it's uh, I think it's a really big, um, you know, improvement in terms of it's just a much more modern version of of the original Pixelmator, which many people still love and use. So we, you know, um, I think that's also a good app or great app. But I, uh, Pixelmator yeah. Pro. I I have to say that um, I, I I've had Pixelmator for quite a long time. I can't remember when I first picked up a copy. It might even have been version one, but um, I always liked it. I liked it for the, for the reasons you said, Andreas. It's um, obviously designed for everyday people, and it's easy to pick up and it's easy to work with. Um, obviously, as a you know, I'm a, a professional in the in the print trade and so uh i've got basically 30 years of experience in photoshop although even i probably don't use half of what photoshop can do because photoshop is uh a bit of a chimera in that you know it's many different things to many different people absolutely yeah but um and what one of the things that pixelmator had which i really liked was the uh, secret vector mater, vector mater mode, as I think it was called. Yeah. Where you could, yeah. And I know that that wasn't a true vector tool because when you finished doing it, it was rendered back to pixels. But that was, I, I really liked that as a, as a concept. I thought that was also quite helpful. But there were things which probably wouldn't affect uh, a lot of ordinary users of Pixelmator that I I found were for me lacking like um Pixelmator uh, does not have a true grayscale mode does it it you you can work in grayscale but it, it's not the true grayscale yeah so, same with CMYK same with CMYK as well I guess somebody yeah. as, as someone in the printing business you probably missed that as well exporting well actually you might have a a lot of people that miss CMYK uh probably don't follow best practices when it comes to working with RGB and CMYK, but yeah. Yeah. Well, actually <laughs> the I'm, although I work, yes, I do work in print and, and CMYK for those who don't know that cyan, yellow, uh, cyan, yellow, magenta, magenta. Yeah. And key, which is black usually. Yeah. Um, and, and that is how four color printing is, is done. Um, and if you work in print, then obviously I've got 30 odd years of experience of working in print. So my brain does tend to work in CMYK. Uh, the, but I care less. And in fact, a lot of print now cares less about whether things are RGB or CMYK. Because over time, the industry has been forced to accept that with digital photography, you know, most stuff is in RGB. And so really you should only be wanting to change it to CMYK at the last minute. Absolutely. Um, so I, I, I'm less concerned about that. Sometimes it, even if the, if an app actually works in RGB, but gives me CMYK sliders so that I can work my head in CMYK, that that's good enough for me. But um, the yeah pixel mate not supporting a true mono grayscale was i did miss that 
I did miss that because it meant you had to export it and then run it through, you know, I'd have to run it through something else to make it into a true monitor. But that obviously doesn't affect most people because that that's not, you know, that's not an everyday user thing. Yeah. So yeah. that's why I'm looking at Pixelmator Pro and kind of thinking I'm really excited about this because obviously it, it's called Pro and I'm hoping that it would have some features that, you know that i do miss as a professional user so well we've actually added uh when it comes to um different color pro- profiles we've added an option when exporting to convert to certain color profiles and we also want to add in the future you know top-notch soft proofing so so basically it'd work in in in, in the right colors well in rgb but with soft proofing uh with with your chosen profile and then once you ex- export it or export it to that profile and yeah so that's that's something for the future that we have got lined up basically. But for now, in Pixelmator Pro in, in version one, there will be an option to export to CMYK when um, yeah when exporting images. Excellent. Well, that's you know I'm I'm really really excited to you know I am because I like Mark I like Pixelmator Pro and I you know often use Pixelmator Pro uh, not Pixelmator Pro I use Pixelmator and I often use Pixelmator at home. Um, and you know by choice when my kids are talking about dad how can i edit this image you know i'll point them at pixelmator because it's it's a lot easier to understand than photoshop is um so i i do like pixelmator but there are things in it obviously which because of my because of my job and my history there are certain things that that i miss um and i'm not I know I'm not really probably a hundred percent target audience for Pixelmator, but I suspect I might be right in the middle of the target for Pixelmator Prem. Well, I, th- I think I think you know Pixelmator. We 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 target all Mac fans who want to edit images on 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 their Macs, basically. So that's that's about that's that's. I mean, uh, quite a broad group. I mean, I love it, and I'm a dumbass, and I even I can get things. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, I'm terrible. Like when I when I started when I started Pixelmator, I, I didn't really know all that much about imaging. I had a, I had a rough knowledge, but then I, I started off, you know, first of all doing uh, tech support, and then I I got you know I I'm I'm quite a curious person in general, so I, I read up on all these you know on DPI on CMYK, and then obviously regurgitate that knowledge to um unwitting unsuspecting users who weren't ready for a4 sized <laughs> explanations but um but yeah so i i'm i'm honestly i'm not i'm not an image editing pro but it, but, but it's uh, it, but pixelmator has allowed me to almost become one but that was it it was like being for what i want to do was basically make an a3 poster on an ipad and i did because it was just basically a project to say can you take the the trope of you know the ipad is just for consumption not for creating and actually do stuff with it and especially with pixelmator on ios you can um, i i can't actually remember why i'm using affinity designer at the moment what if it's to do, do with you mean it's affinity photo mark you're not using designer you get that wrong all the time do i what it's like illustrator ah uh, yes i know why i'm using designers because i got sent the dot ai file uh which is go. which is yeah. why i've had to, yes that that's it but looking at pixelmator pro with all the that i know it's i know i know it doesn't do vectors but i don't really do that i just use it for basically laying out and uh doing a lot of work with text and i can see here that pro is really really going to uh fill that gap uh, 
just to sort of come back to the programming stuff at the moment, I mean, what the developers said about utilizing all of this stuff like Metal to OpenCL, has it been a chore? Does it actually work? Has it... Has there been any challenges to using all of this new stuff, or is it what you would think it would be from Apple, which is just a joy to use and program with? I mean, it's, yeah, it's more or less that. Obviously, um, when you have such a powerful, when we have such powerful technologies inside the operating system itself that you can that you can leverage, it's you know, it's, it's obviously it's obviously great. There's always, you know, certain small bugs and stuff, but that's that's to be expected, you know, with uh, with any, you know, any 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 kind of software or hardware, even, um, you know. But in general, you know, I I think Pixelmator wouldn't uh, be where it is right now without without the the Apple technologies that that we've, we've managed to leverage over over the years. And it is a damn, damn fine program, as we keep saying. Um, right, uh, let's go and have a look. We got any more questions? I think we've sort of yes, covered got, all, all the questions. Uh, we've, got, oh. we've got one more. Oh, we okay. Got one more, uh, which was um, Mac Jim was interested to know if you, there are any plans, uh, either currently or in the future, to add a library cataloging slash digital asset management feature, uh, because both Lightroom and, of course, Luminar. Uh, uh, well, Lightroom does it now, and L- Luminara are planning to add a digital asset management to their app. And I know, obviously, that Lightroom and Luminar are slightly different. I, I see them in a slightly different category to Pixelmator slash Affinity Photo slash Photoshop, because, like you, Andreas, I think they're, you know, they're aimed very much. They're digital dark rooms, aren't they? Yeah. Ones. I mean, basically, you know, dark. Luminar and Lightroom, you know, can't really work on, as far as I'm aware, at least in Luminar, you can't work it, uh, on multi-layered images and make, you know, create designs. It's all, it's all, it's all designed for processing usually large numbers of, of, of photos. So it's, it's a bit yeah. of a different, uh, I'm not that's, sure. That's... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that was, so. Uh, so what I was going to say, what I was going to say, so I'm not sure. <laughs> Whether whether that would be something for Pixelmator Pro, like if if you know it would be like Photoshop having you know uh, an extensive library feature. I mean, it could work, I, I suppose. But what I would say is, well, this is something we've always considered. We've always thought, you know, what if we made made a Windows app like? And thought, well, maybe maybe one day in the future. And this is also one of those things that maybe that'd be something for us to to consider some point down the line but probably I, I not, think not the, yeah yeah i think the reason that uh mac Jim is asking and i know it is something that uh a lot of a lot of people like mac Jim who are you know amateur photographers and they take an awful lot of pictures yeah and yeah. one one of the things i think that aperture apple's aperture gave them was this you know, automatic cataloging slash uh, digital asset management feature. And I think a lot of photographers do find that, you know, a helpful thing to have because if you're talking about handling, you know, well, with digital photography, of course, you can take thousands of pictures, can't you? You know, the, but yeah, cataloging, easy. keeping track of your images, I think has always been one of the more tedious tasks for a lot of photographers 
And I think a, a lot of them are quite keen. And, you know, yeah, here's a suggestion. Maybe you could add it as a, you know, a separate bolt-on product. There you go. You can have that one for free. Look. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't worry. After the show, I'll be going, hey, can we just have this? Can we just have that feature? <laughs> well, right, well we've is... thought about this and maybe some point at some point in the future some point yeah of, of yeah. the old chestnut of yeah well we'll consider that yeah but no we will and we have done we honestly we have and we, and we i think well we'll see we'll see well i think that sort of naturally wrapped things up i like i say i'm a big pixelmator user for ios and for uh, i was gonna say android then as you can tell that's the sort of week it's been uh funnily enough i was working on something on my iphone handoff worked i could just jump onto my mac and there it was um i it's again another reason why i don't like using windows because you don't have the quality of these good apps um when in you said pixelmator pro is going to be out on wednesday is are you going to release pricing information now or are we going to have to wait with bated breath till wednesday oh we actually already announced it in a blog post so uh the, the price is, is 59 uh 59.99 uh, and yeah it's dropping on wednesday i cannot wait to see what everyone makes of it honestly it's been it's been it's been uh it's been very exciting working on on you know all the obviously i wrote all the web texts so so um and yeah I'm I'm waiting to see what everyone's reactions to the real thing is. Excellent and like I say I've been a Pixelmator user for years. I think I paid twenty nine pounds for it or I might have got it on a sale. Um, it's been worth every penny because you just get so many updates and all of the updates are just absolute quality. Thank you very much for giving up your time on a Sunday afternoon to come and talk to us. Again, if people want to find you, get a hold of you, find, stalk you on social media, now is the time to shill yourself silly. <laughs> well, if, if, if anyone wants to find me, I'm on Twitter. Um, they can search for Go Andreas. Uh, I'm not very active, but I, if, uh, if anyone wants to chat or ask any questions, I, I am more than happy to answer. And if you ever tweet at Pixelmator, at the Pixelmator handle on Twitter, or write a comment on Facebook, I'll be the one responding. So feel free to do that as well. Awesome. And like I say, I can, I've got first-hand account of just how awesome the support has been. Andreas of Pixelmator and soon to be Pixelmator Pro, thank you very much for joining on the show. Thanks a lot for having me. And uh, see everyone. Right then, and I think on that, uh, well, nothing more for it, but let's go to Nemo's Hardware Store, and we will be back in about three minutes, which is about six presses on that button down at the bottom there, just in case. We have three different wireless Bluetooth speakers today in Nemo's Hardware Store. Very different. First one is called Solar Bank, S-O-L-A-R-B-A-N-K, Solar Bank 3-in-1 which is a power bank, Bluetooth speaker, and solar-powered unit. You can face the solar collector toward the sun, or you can charge it up using an included cable that you can put into any of your USB charging plugs. And then the other side has a nice speaker. It's a good sound, plenty of power. It's got two USB outputs. So it's a double power bank, as well as a solar-charged or AC-charged Bluetooth wireless speaker. Plenty loud good sound, and it's typically sold, even though the original price in the U.S. is $129. Most people will purchase this as part of a product combination from the same company, which is called SolGard, S-O-L-G-A-A-R-D, SolGard.co, 
The speaker of the solar bank is included when you purchase the Life Pack. Life Pack, the solar powered anti theft backpack, includes Solar Bank. So it also has plenty of other features. And we're not going to talk specifically about the Life Pack, but when you buy the Life Pack, it includes the Solar Bank. So it's a good deal to buy them together. We will have the links for this and all the other two products on this week's Nemo's Hardware Store on our website. And Simon and Mark will do their best to get the international Amazon affiliate link for you to purchase them. Here's the sound of turning on the solar bank. Here's the sound of turning off the solar bank. Nothing. Silence. Another combination unit is called the Dock All. D-O-C-K-A-L-L. The Dock All docking station, charge, listen, and display. You can take your Qi-compatible charging iPhone from the 8 series or the X and you can set it right onto the angled charging base where it says Qi, Q-I, and this has to be seen to be appreciated. The speakers on this are on the side where the other two this week have front firing speakers. Because of the design, the dock hall has the speakers on the side. Okay, I'm turning it on now. Bluetooth mode. And then when I turn it off, again, silence. So the dock hall supports your phone when you're charging it, even when you're not charging it. And then you have the microphone and all of your audio controls on the front. It also has USB output on the back, just like the solar bank does. Here they're clearly marked USB 1A, USB 2A for 1 amp and 2 amp. In addition, the dock all has a micro SD card slot for listening to music through a micro SD card. The website is azpenpc, azpenpc.com. Price for this is only $100 in the U.S. Wow, that's a very good deal for the charger, the audio controls, the outputs, micro SD card slot, the Bluetooth speaker. This is a very sturdy and stable product. The sound is approximately the audio quality of the solar bank, which means good, with the difference being that the sound is a little thinner, a little more trebly from those side firing speakers on the Dockall compared to the Solar Bank, which has a slightly more robust mid-range and down emphasis. So they sound equally good, but with a different sound signature. At the top of the heap is a new product from a new company, an exceptionally small and powerful and really great sounding speaker. This speaker is waterproof, water resistant. You can take it in the shower, can't take it body surfing or diving, but you can take it into a wet environment. It's got a lovely rounded shape to it with a lanyard handle sticking out of it. It's called the Tribit, T-R-I-B-I-T, Bluetooth and aux line in, and the website is tribitaudio.com, T-R-I-B-I-T-A-U-D-I-O, tribitaudio.com. The best thing of all is this is really affordable. I'll get the price for you in a second. But aside from the fact that it has superior sound, amazing portability, plus being waterproof and a good Bluetooth range, it is not solar powered and it won't charge up your phone. But if you just want superior audio in a compact package, and the model name is Tribit X Sound Go, T-R-I-B-I-T, then one word, X-S-O-U-N-D, Go. Please look at the website for this. You can get an idea of how small it is and how big the sound is. There is one problem. Everything is black on black. So in a dark room or a similarly 
unilluminated place or outdoors, it's very hard to know from those very gently raised controls where the on switch is. Here's what it sounds like. Turning on Bluetooth. Very good. Let's turn it off now. But for audio and portability and versatility for music, the Tribit X Sound Go is at the top, where at the other end of the extreme, the solar powering and the Qi charging are a whole different level. So check out these three products from Nemo's Hardware Store, and I guarantee you will like one of them. Let's get the price for the Tribit. It is on special for $40. This is the best sounding speaker I've ever heard in the under $50 price range. Thanks for listening. Back next week. Oh, and by the way, I got my iPhone X. It's working great. If you're on the fence, get one. More on that in future weeks. Thank you, John, once again for another Nemo's Hardware Store. Now, Simon, you've got a little bit of follow-up on the Amazon listings for the Nemo's Hardware Store. Yes, I have. The Aspen Dock All, which uh, John was talking about, that's the mains wireless charger, Bluetooth speaker, and all sorts of other uh, loveliness. Uh, It's a little bit complicated in that there are, as far as I can tell, there are three models. There is a D100, which is nominally aimed at Android. There is a D108, which is definitely targeted at the iPhone. And there is also, uh, although this isn't one John talked about, there is a D200, which is a non-wireless version for people who have uh, lightning charging phones. Now, in the UK, only the D100 is available. Now, I think the difference between the D100 and the D108 is whether or not it has a lightning connection. Although, obviously, you could use a lightning connection with the USB out. But I would just point that out. You, you need to be a little careful the links i have put links for uh the us for the d100 and the d108 uh for the uk to amazon we have only the option of the d100 although you could probably order one direct from uh as pen themselves i guess but i'd just like to point that out and funnily enough we will have all those links in our show doc and hopefully we might even try and get chapters working again this week i don't quite know why they didn't work the other week. Uh, but you know what we're going to do? Well, let's just do something completely different. Hold on. Yes, well, while we're talking about money and spending things and buying things, you found a bit of a bargain with regards to TunnelBear and a new password manager. Yes, indeed. TunnelBear have currently got what they are describing as a Black Bear Friday sale. And that is that they are offering their Grizzly Bear package, which I I think is normally about $120 for the year, is currently available at $49.99 or whatever. So I'm not sure how long that's going to last, probably a week or so. So if you're interested in getting the tunnel bear or a, a discount then nip over to tunnel bear and take a look at that but also the vpn provider tunnel bear have also expanded into a passwords manager 
uh, and they've brought out an app called Remember. See what they did there? Uh, um, see what they've done. See what they've done. Yeah, yeah. Lovers of bear-based, you know, ursine-based punnery, uh, <laughs> the tunnel bear. Um, there's a link here to a story which it talks about it. Now, there's also a link to the Remember download, and if you follow that link, that will take you to either the you know the Windows uh, download, the Mac App Store, whatever. Uh, if you want it for iOS, um, and it's currently free and in beta, um, if you want to get it for iOS, do follow that link because searching the store will not turn it up. Take it from me. Even if you type in there, uh, Tunnel Bear, Remember, you will not turn up this app. So you need to follow the link in the show notes. And we don't get any kickbacks from that one, do we? That's just a pure public service announcement uh, because I... Public service announcement. Because I'm using, uh, what is it? I use Tunnel Bear when I'm in my local Weatherspoons because I don't trust public Wi-Fi anymore, especially with all the hacks that keep happening. Uh, so it's just nice to go out and turn it on. But then I get worried about the fact that where is my data going? It's going through this big thing somewhere but from everything i have and uh, i use tunnel bear i've got the free package they seem pretty sound we've also i mean just to give just to be fair as well we've I've also tried um nord vpn or n-o-r-d vpn uh, and they've been pretty sound as well and if you're out there and you're using a vpn um get in touch with us tell us why what what's the one that you like and why do you use it because we'd love to hear feedback uh, from you and I'll, I'll tell you at the moment if you're talking about uh, VPNs, I've got the feeling that Nord may have also have a, a Black Friday weekend. Yes, they have. Uh, uh, but I haven't got the details here, but it will be in the show notes, along with all of the links for everything that we've talked about. And of course, this is the bit where I'm going to plead, beg, well, sort of, if you are going to shop on Amazon, if you can possibly see your way to hitting up EssentialApple.com, clicking on a big amazon button that means you're helping the show because when you buy anything it goes we, we get a little bit of a kickback we make a little bit of commission it is only a little bit be completely upfront and honest about it but it all goes in and helps the show and one day we might have enough money to get simon a microphone and microphone stand hopefully one day Oh, and also, of course, thank you to our amazing, amazing Patreon subscribers. Without you, it would be a struggle to keep keep the place going, so to speak. It pays for our hosting, uh, the software that we use, and everything that goes into running the show. So a big, big, huge thank you. Right, that's all the begging done. <laughs> that's all the begging stuff are done. Um, what have we got in the world of news? I mean, the only thing that's sort of really blown me away, and it's not Apple-related, is, oh, Tesla. Oh, you make me feel so bad for being poor when I see... Um, not that I can drive a truck, but if I could, I'd buy the Semi. And it's been funny because I'm a child and I've been saying the word Semi all week. Have you seen Tesla's Semi? Fanar, fanar. Fanar, fanar. Yeah, so I, I, I am a small child. <laughs> uh, what, what, I mean, what's caught your eyes in the world of Apple News this week then, Simon? Uh, well, the... Uh, probably... The two big stories, really, are that uh, Apple are going to probably use machine learning to improve the results they get from LiDAR. Uh, this is all over the web, but the one I 
followed was TechCrunch. They've released a paper talking about how they are using machine learning to help uh, LIDAR on its own. Uh, and that's a basically a laser radar, isn't it? Or sonar. You bounce uh, lasers all over the place and measure how long it takes them to bounce back. And how they're using machine learning to make that far more effective at detecting things like uh, cyclists and pedestrians. Uh, that's proof that they are, of course, still working on autonomous vehicles. Or aspects or see, or maybe they're working on aspects of autonomous vehicles that they could then create apps for. It doesn't necessarily mean really that uh, it, they are working on the car. Could just be software. Who knows? Well, well, it could be. I mean, they don't have to say. Maybe, you know, I, I think there was a lot of talk originally, wasn't it, that they were actually building a car. And to be honest, I I can, I can, could see Apple building a car, but you don't start by building the car, do you? You don't start a project on autonomous vehicles by building the trying to build the final product. That's not how it works. No. I mean, for, for me, the big giveaway... I you mean, build the sensors and the software and, and test them out on, I don't know, any old car, don't you, and, and work up. And yeah, that is I mean, true. Also, you can see features of this, can't you? I mean, the depth map on the on the iPhone 10, the Face ID, that's a, all right, they're using IR, so I suppose that's a IR DAR. Oh, Lord. <laughs> uh, I, but, the more I hear about the iPhone 10, the more I want one. I'll never be able to afford one if I'm being brutally honest, but it's a lovely bit of kit. I mean, if... just wait until next year, Mark, and they're, they're probably either the, the current 10 will be available cheaper or there'll be a 10-2 or whatever the hell they call it. With you know, I'm pretty sure that the 8 is the last of that line. I suspect that next year they will all be iPhone 10 esque models one way or another. Uh, Apple might uh, finally update its forgotten iPhone next year. The iPhone SE, which is basically the what the iPhone five, but with um no, it no it's the iPhone six S internals in a smaller in a smaller box. Yeah, in an iPhone five case. Uh, and the rumor is that obviously next year they might ship uh either an A10 Fusion or. A11 Bionic version. Uh, that's very much in the people who know about the matter have allegedly said. So, oh, people familiar with the matter, that old chestnut. Yes, I'm afraid. So that really is very much that story. It came from BGR. Uh, oh God, them Jesus, flipping heck! Today they wrote. Um... Uh, well, it was a story that basically read. I'll see you in find a minute. A bloke reviewed. Uh, was it a bloke? We re uh, reviewed the iPhone and the Google Pixel Two. Here's what he found, and it was like written by like a twelve year old. It was so bad. And it's like, who who is this bloke? Why does he matter? Somebody's reviewed it, and it was oh jeez. And then if I, let me go and have a look on my phone. Um, I took a screenshot of Apple News the other day because BGR did a story, and then immediately there it is. So 
The outrage over Apple's HomePod delay is way over the top. The next story down in Apple News. The next story. The sad inside story of the HomePod. Apple's huge missed opportunity. So, so hang on a sec. It, and it's, it's one... It just, oh, good Editorial God. correction, Matt. Or oh. just post everything that comes to hand. It's like, quick, we... Oh, hold on, hold on. Someone's thinking, quick, post some news before we actually realise we're thinking about things. Oh, God. Uh, what else have we got before I, my blood pressure uh, goes up? I'm already on blood pressure tablets and I read stuff like that and I wonder why. <laughs> well, the other, the other big um, Apple story, really, I suppose, is... Uh, the Apple Apple suppliers are now making an estimated, uh, well, it's 550,000 iPhone 10 units per day, apparently. So even if you round that down, that's a half a million iPhone 10s coming off the uh, production line every day. Apparently. So what's that work out to be then in math? Because I'm very ill and very tired. For half a million times 1,000. Half a million times 1,000. Yeah, because if they're selling those phones for a thousand pounds, you know, oh, see. you see yes. the, the overall price of them is going to be about a thousand pounds, give or take, da 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 da. Half a billion, then, isn't it? Half a billion. So they're producing half a billion pounds. I know that's not what they make a day. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why I think it's an interesting story because the numbers are just mind boggling, aren't they? They're just crazy. Crazy, um, and on the on the back of that, there's a lesser story here where Apple have uh, said that some illegal student labourers were discovered at the iPhone plant. Uh, this is was on Reuters. Apple have, have said that um, some students were uh, voluntarily. I hasten to add, they were not apparently being forced to do it. That they they were voluntarily working overtime. Uh, producing iPhone 10s, and that's uh, not allowed, even by you know what some people would consider to be somewhat lax Chinese labour laws. But apparently, students or people of that age are not allowed to work more than 40 hours, and uh, some were, uh, and not very many. And Apple is slapping some wrists, I think, as well they should. And- it's the sad thing is like you're know, seeing here in the West, you know, we look at these things of, you know, well, that's shocking and horrible that, you know, they would work over 40 hours. But I know a lot of people, especially Europeans, who 40 hours a week is a slack week for them because it's it's just a way of their work ethic. Um, not that not that it makes it right, not that it makes it wrong, but it's just you know, all different perceptions and stuff like that. I don't. I don't think. Uh, I suspect in China, forty hours is probably considered quite lightweight, um, and no doubt there's a reason why young people are limited to forty hours. But some of these students apparently were doing overtime, no doubt, because you know that would be a nice uh, bonus to uh, you know, for any student, wouldn't it? I'm sure. Um, okay. Well, we'll move on from that. Uh, yeah. Technology wise. Well, yes. Uh, Oh, right, the, well, this this one I think about. is the one we should go with. The Android tracks your location even when you ask it not to. In no surprise whatsoever to me, absolutely. No. <laughs> That's exactly was my comment uh, when I first saw it. Like, and you're surprised by this? Why? Um, 
there's not a lot more to be said about that, really. That, that's just, it is what it is. Um, yes, apparently Android has been found to continue to track your location, if you, even if you turn off uh, the uh, location features. Yeah, this is the... Well, didn't Apple have this same hoo-ha? This is exactly what happened to Apple. Basically, uh, from the article at Wired.com, in a perplexing violation of private privacy concerns, Android phones collect the location of nearby cell towers, even if you've turned off location services. The company confirmed the practice to court, saying that the feature was in place to improve push notifications and messages. It said it would stop doing so by the end of November. So, oh, hang on. Uh, we've been caught with our pants stain, but we're going to fix it now. Apple had, yeah. I mean, Apple had the same thing, wasn't it? Where you know they were low. It was matching cell towers. Now, yeah, I'm I'm a bit of a privacy freak, especially what we're getting on board with VPNs. But if I know that I can drive and I've got a signal, then that's a good trade-off. Or well, it would be a good trade-off if my battery wasn't so completely nutly knackered in my iPhone success. Yeah, I. I, I don't know really how how serious an infraction this really is. Um, I think probably at one point or another, pretty much all phone uh, companies have have done that one way or another. But uh, I think Android still doing it when everybody else has basically given up on it or been told to stop doing it was probably uh, lax at best. <laughs> I'd, I've got. I've got to admit, in work, I've been having to deal with Android, and it's not bad. But you can just tell that the quality of apps on iOS is just so so much better. And my, if I have one complaint about Android, to go into the settings is a maze. There's sometimes you've got text on the screen and sometimes it looks like you can click on that text and go in and delve in and do things and sometimes you can't it's just a very i get what they're trying to do but it, it for me it just doesn't feel like it's reached it or it's intuitive enough and i'm a you know i'm a techie but also you know i don't do much with phones because that's not my wheelhouse but it's like i don't know who you're aiming for are you aiming at the people who want to tinker and figure and configure and go into all the settings or are you aiming for the iphone people it's uh, yeah it's all right and that's the biggest compliment as i'm going to pay about android (laughs) uh and and backtracking slightly to the uh to the work of chirps uh nord do and do do indeed have a sale on um and i'll put the link in there um and in breaking news and this literally is breaking mac jim has just posted this uh block bear block ads and protect your privacy (laughs) privacy a simple adorable ad blocker for your iphone or ipad you could download another ad blocker but then you wouldn't have a bear so there you go. Sold. They've not only done... Sold. <laughs> Block Bear, okay, have added... Uh, so there's a link for that as well. Um, Block Bear, uh, which is a tunnel bear ad blocker. And Look at that. They're going bonkers today. Look at that. Blimey, we've actually, we've actually got relevant news. Um, yeah, that's, you know, uh, what, was, what else have I got in here? Uh, oh, I did find quite an interesting story, or at least I thought it was moderate interesting. Uh, that Vodafone have released four new Internet of Things devices, uh, and I, this was on which, uh, and they've done a, a thing that you plug into your car, 
uh, a thing that looks like a fob watch, which you can attach to. Ah, uh, yes, the yeah, I've seen these before. So you've got the the V Auto, which is eighty pounds start off with them, four pounds a month. Uh, it plugs into your car's ODB port, uh, and this device has a range of benefit. It records all of your charges and shares them with the V Auto app to see what routes you've taken, how long they took. So I suppose that's going to be handy if you're doing accountancy stuff. Uh, it sends a driver safety score message. Sorry, it sends a driver safety score to the smartphone app after every journey you can share scores with other people using the v auto app which it'll be promoting for safe driving uh, if you're ever involved in a collision uh, the auto sos feature means someone from vodafone will contact you and the find my car feature will show you where your car is uh, it's handy enough i don't know if i want something like that plugged directly into my car what uh, one, one what's this one you've got the v bag uh the v so it's a v bag it's like a little pocket square rectangly pocket watch thing yeah it's i mean my comment on these is these are all using uh, a data plan and Obviously, therefore, they're using the cell network. Now, this gives them obviously more reach than a product like a Bluetooth tracker. But um, for me, the prices are I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean and, and you've got to pay for the month. I mean, fifty nine pounds for the device, and because you look at then if you look at the price of the tile, which is basically a Bluetooth receiver sender thingy, yeah. which basically just works on the premise that you've you've gone out of range. Uh, the V-Bag does the same. Basically, it's like a, uh, a watch, I would say, that you put into a bag and it uses GPS to um, keep your bag up to date. You've then got one for your pets. Again, this is £50 and £4 a month. Now, this one's quite interesting, especially around here where we've seemed to unfortunately have a spate of dog kidnappings. Um, it's a clip that goes onto uh, onto your dog or your animal and then it tracks them with GPS. Not quite sure I'd want... I'm always a bit dodgy with radiation and stuff like that. Anyways, <laughs> the, the final one is the V-Camera. £339 and £4 a month. Uh, it's an Arlo Go wireless security camera that can run off batteries, has an IP rating of 65, which means it's dustproof and can survive a bit of rain. Uh, records a 720p. Uh, it goes up to a cloud service thingy, uh, and then hopefully you'll be all safe and secure. Uh, but I don't trust any of these things that use cloud security because they also uh, cloud uploaders. Because looking at my Swan Smart camera, which is the biggest pile of misfortune, in fact, that was actually that actually stopped me reviewing products for a few months because it was so horrendous to review and so blinking pointless. He says, going off on a tangent again. Um, yeah, these companies keep coming and going and they get bought out. And then you're thinking, well, again, you've got all my data. You can see all this. Just how secure are you? But that's just me with my conspiracy theory hat. So, obviously, this this is from Vodafone. Um, the For my money, as it were, the V Auto, I can kind of see. There are other... Things like this you can buy and there's a thing called automatic and uh, a couple of other things that plug into your car and then talk to your phone um the the, the v auto i can kind of see i could almost even imagine somebody justify 80 pounds for that um 
particularly if it tracks your mileage and whatnot and you're you know a business traveler that would be handy maybe it would even pay for itself um the the bag really um i think i'd just say go and buy yourself a nut too for about 10 pounds on amazon which is a bluetooth tracker like tile and you know they're they're not a lot of money now. Are they? No, but the only problem with the Bluetooth tiles, the the problem with the Bluetooth tiles is I've I've and I, this has pretty much been the same from all of them that I've tested. Is you, I've done I've done this in a field in the middle of nowhere, so there's no interference or anything like that. You pop it down, you walk out of range, and obviously the alarm goes off. But then if you're walking back into range at a bit of a br- brisk pace you can easily walk out of the the 10 meter radius from it before it's redetected it does that make sense so it's like um, the, the protocol yeah. or whatever it's using isn't polling or isn't searching or isn't connecting quick enough for it to be of any use now i suppose it's handy in a sense of well you know roughly where it is but let's say you're on a beach and you're using Google Maps to try and find where it is, and you've got a satellite view. And you, uh, sorry, if if you have the satellite view, because not all of them do, you just get like a big bit of yellow to indicate sand, and then white to indicate uh, sorry blue to indicate water. You can walk straight past it, and I know you've got the button on there that says ping it, but you need to be arranged to ping it. But you could walk straight past it, as I've done with a couple of them. I have some Nut Two trackers, which I bought for i don't know they were about eight pounds i think um and i I find them really really handy i have one on my hat which i know sounds very stupid but but often at night i come in and i throw my i throw my hat down and then in the morning i'm like where is my hat well i can just make it go ping ping ping. (laughs) (laughs) uh, it's very first worldy of me i know but uh it's it's uh, yeah it's like i find find that rather enjoyable (laughs) No, I my my. Where is my Bluetooth enabled hat? Yeah, uh, which is also a bit of a standing joke at work. But there you go. I don't care. At least I can find my bloody hat. Yeah, uh, I, I I should really get one and put it on my uh, my work lanyards because I keep forgetting my pass. And you know what? I think after the Bluetooth hat, we've got nowhere to go but getting out of here. Really, uh, we what we've we going for an hour and a bit. Yeah, I think that'll do for today, won't it? Oh, I should think that's good. Yeah, why not? I'll do a bit of editing this evening. Um, so, yeah, we'll round off the show again. Thanks to Andreas from Pixelmator for joining us this week. It's always good to hear, um, you know, get these people on the show, especially when it's an app that I absolutely love. And like I say, I'm I'm no creative type, but when they say image editing for the rest of us, I think that's probably one of the best strap lines you could possibly get. So... And on that note, Simon, if people want to get a hold of you, how can they do so, good sir? Uh, well, of course, I am at Serenak on Twitter, and that's S-E-R-N-A-K. And I am, of course, in the Slack room and occasionally on the Google+. Plus. Marvellous. You can get hold of me at Essential Apple, or if you want to track me and stalk me personally, it's at Ocean Speed. I don't tweet that much at the moment because, quite frankly, not a lot is going on in my world. Oh, the joy of peace and quiet for a little bit, but that's going to change because I can almost start playing the Christmas songs again. I just hope I don't jinx it and end up killing off someone like I did last year with the Quomus. 
Yeah. So, yes, anyway, uh, get us on EssentialApple.com. Again, you'll find all of the stuff that Nemo's Hardware has reviewed over there as well. Uh, we'll have all the links and the relevant Amazon links. A link to our Patreon. If you want to be so kind, you just, just donate a little bit of change, then you can do. That would be awesome. And I think until next time, next week, um, I think we're on the same day. I don't know anymore. Uh, we will see you soon. Bye. Cheerio. We are part of the MyMac.com podcasting network, where you can find such excellent shows as Guy and Gaz on the MyMac show, Tim and David on the Tech Fan show, the Three Geeky Ladies, the Geekiest Show Ever, uh, the excellent Bart Bouchotts with his Let's Talk, the Club Nintendo, and many, many more.